another episode of Radio Rounds, the podcast interview series presented by St. Louis Children's Hospital, covering pediatric topics of interest to doctors and healthcare professionals. Here's Melanie Cole. Today's topic is hope and support for patients after the Fontan procedure and the Fontan Clinic at St. Louis Children's Hospital. My guest is Dr. Kathleen Simpson. She's a Washington University pediatric cardiologist at St. Louis Children's Hospital. Dr. Simpson, tell us a little bit about single ventricle heart defects. What are they? Sure. Thank you for having me. Well, single ventricle heart defects are essentially a very basic term for any patient who has anatomy where only one good pumping chamber exists. And this can be a variety of different complex cardiac anatomy, but ultimately um, these patients have only one uh, ventricle and possibly other complicating anatomy uh, as well. What's the clinical presentation and how and when are these defects detected? Well, it used to be that we only detected these patients right after birth when they either were desaturated or they struggled. Um, sometimes patients presented uh, early on with just sudden death and cardiac arrest. However, with the increase in screening in fetal life, we are now getting more referrals prior to birth to our fetal care center where we make a diagnosis. Um, there are still some patients that are diagnosed after birth, and some patients are actually now being um, screened with the universal pulse oximetry newborn screening, which has been initiated in Missouri as well as many other states that are now catching patients before they're discharged home. But still, some patients are found after uh, discharge, usually in the newborn period. They typically have issues with low oxygen saturations. They may have failure to thrive. They may have difficulty breathing or poor perfusion. Then if you detect this, how are they treated? So it can be a real emergency depending on the anatomy of the patient where they need very quick surgical intervention or medical intervention versus some patients which may do okay for a little bit. But typically what they most likely need is surgery in the newborn period. Tell us a little bit about the Fontan procedure. So the Fontan procedure is one of the stages that we have for patients with single ventricle anatomy. Typically, patients, as I mentioned, require some sort of intervention in the newborn period, but that's ultimately not their final procedure. This usually only palliates them until they can get a little bit bigger and their pulmonary vascular resistance goes down with time. The Fontan procedure is typically the second or third surgical palliative procedure in single ventricle patients. And although there's many forms of the Fontan procedure, ultimately what it results in is that blood flow to the lungs is separated from blood flow to the rest of the body as the inferior and superior vena cava will flow directly into the branched pulmonary arteries by passive flow. The single ventricle pump, um, as these patients only have one good ventricle, is used to uh, pump blood flow to the systemic circulation. Some patients also have a, what we call a fenestration at the time of Fontan, which is a small hole that connects the Fontan circulation to the atrium of the heart and allows for a pop-off pressure from the Fontan. Wow. So what are some of the long-term effects for single ventricle heart patients, and what is the prognosis like after the procedure? Well, these are very interesting questions because the Fontan procedure has not been a long, uh, I'm sorry, not been around for very long. We now have our first set of Fontan patients reading, reaching their 30s and 40s. So some of the long-term data has really only become available in the past several years through large registries and single-center reports. We have known for some time that Fontan patients are at risk for certain cardiac issues, such as arrhythmias or even um, 
lower heart rates and pump failure over time. We also recognize that they're more at risk for clotting as well as development of some very specific Fontan diseases such as protein losing enteropathy where you lose large proteins through your gut and you get associated diarrhea, fluid retention, and malnutrition, as well as something called plastic bronchitis where you get this abnormal protein material that collects in the airways. That's been known for a while, but more recently in the past several years, we're starting to describe some of the other organ issues long-term, and this includes difficulty with obtaining um, predicted normal height, poor growth, low bone density, delayed puberty, immunodeficiency, as well as progressive dysfunction of the kidney, liver, and lung. What are you looking for post-surgery? So early post-surgery, you know, some patients will do quite well. Some patients will struggle, and we think that those patients that struggle probably have a rougher time post-Fontan compared to other patients. But we're really watching to see how these patients grow and whether or not they're thriving after Fontan. Then tell us when and why the Fontan Clinic at St. Louis Children's Hospital was established. How did it come about? So as a uh, pediatric cardiologist, one of my particular interests is the Fontan patient, especially because I am one of the cardiac transplantation cardiologists at Children's Hospital. And I, over the years, have been taking care of many Fontan patients who eventually have failing physiology and are referred for heart transplantation. And one of the things that we recognize in the transplant community is that many of these Fontan patients, by the time they are referred for transplant, often have multi-organ disease, which can make their care quite challenging and even in some instances make transplantation not an option. Or even in some patients require multi-organ transplantation, such as heart, kidney, or heart liver. And so like many large uh, referral institutions, we felt that we needed to proactively start screening and treating these patients for multi-organ disease. Now that we recognize, we recognize all Fontan patients are at risk for these issues long-term. So we recently started the clinic in January of 2018 to address these issues in an organized, multi-specialty fashion. So as I understand it, the Fontan Clinic is more about the evaluation of non-cardiac issues that a child may experience. Right. Our purpose in the Fontan Clinic is not to replace a patient's cardiologist or their cardiac care. Really, we focus actually more on the non-cardiac organ issues that can be seen in the Fontan patients long-term. Although each patient will see myself or one of the other heart failure specialists, really what's more important, I think, in the Fontan clinic is focusing on these other issues, which may not be addressed until they have pretty advanced disease. Dr. Simpson, for other providers, and, and do you feel that it's important for children to maintain a medical home? to go through their well visits and their chronic care issues, are there some warning signs or specific red flags that should be identified as far as other organs? So that's challenging because we're increasingly finding that many of the labs and even the imaging of uh, certain organs can be very abnormal before these patients will show outward signs of um, disease, which is part of the reason to initiate screening Um, early on before people actually start to show evidence of disease because by then it's pretty late. However, we do know that patients who struggle often have issues with weight gain, growth, they may have chronic diarrhea or breathing problems, um, and they may have some swelling of their belly or legs. Speak about the multidisciplinary aspect of the clinic and, and what these disciplines address. What kinds of providers are involved? So we have a whole panel of subspecialists who are available, 
And each patient has a tailored visit based on their highest risk um, assessment for certain disease process, considering how far they are from Fontan and what evaluation they've had in the past. So what we do is when we receive a referral, we review their chart um, and all available records to see which providers would be best for each patient. Most patients will end up seeing the heart failure cardiologist, the pulmonologist, the hepatologist who specializes in liver disease, as well as the kidney doctors. We also have additional specialists in hematology, immunology, uh, and endocrinology for patients who have specific concerns based on their history. We also have a dietitian who specializes in cardiac, heart failure, and transplantation who will also be seeing these patients to screen for any specific dietary deficiencies that are more common in Fontan patients, such as vitamin D deficiency. What can a referring provider expect from the Fontan Clinic team after referral, and what else would you like them to know about single ventricle heart defects and hope and support for patients after Fontan? Well, as I mentioned, we are not here to replace the care that is provided by their normal cardiologist and primary care provider. We hope to complement their care by doing a more intensive um, intermittent evaluation. We start seeing patients about 10 years after they've had their Fontan procedure. And in cases where they're doing well and we don't find any issues with their screening labs or evaluation, they would only be seen every three years in the Fontan clinic unless there were concerns in between. Each patient, uh, I'm sorry, each referral uh, physician will be receiving uh, a detailed uh, evaluation note going through every subspecialty and the recommendations. Uh, in addition, uh, if there's any major concerns or need for major uh, intervention or further testing, we would discuss um, with the referring provider. But really, I think we're hoping to empower patients by talking to them about the long-term effects of the Fontan um, circulation and giving them real up-to-date information based on our latest knowledge so that they can anticipate the challenges that they may have over time. We hope that by evaluating and identifying issues early on that we hopefully can prevent or at least understand better um, the multi-organ disease in these patients. And that segues into our final question very well, Dr. Simpson. What are some promising therapies? What are you looking at in the next 10 years in terms of these types of heart defects? Well, I think that's really challenging because right now, really what the community is doing is trying to define um, better uh, what the actual end organ effects are and how those end organ diseases, such as the liver and the kidney, affect patients long term. There's a lot of debate in the transplant community as to how much end-organ disease um, is a contraindication or how much end-organ disease should be an additional push to think about heart transplantation in these patients. Um, doing anything we can to optimize the physiology of these patients will hopefully ameliorate some of the effects that we see, especially on the liver. But really, we're still just learning so much um, about the severity and extent of these other organs, uh, other organ involvement of these patients, that we don't have a good handle um, on how they're going to affect patients long term. 
Thank you so much for being on with us today and explaining so very clearly why a patient should be referred to the Fontan Clinic. Thank you again for joining us. A physician can refer a patient by calling Children's Direct Physician Access Line at 1-800-678-HELP. That's 1-800-678-4357. You're listening to Radio Rounds with St. Louis Children's Hospital. For more information on resources available at St. Louis Children's Hospital, you can go to stlouischildrens.org. That's stlouischildrens.org. This is Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for listening.